Welcome to The Recap, a podcast from Bethlehem South where we recap the week's sermon. Is that what Daniel usually says? I don't, I don't remember. He does an acronym. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he texted it to me. The, the weekend, the, oh boy, the acronym this week that I'm supposed to say is Recording Expansive Cognitions in Anthropological Pronouncements. Mm, that's true. That's what we're going to do. That's really deep. Actually. Yeah, great. So we're going to recap the sermon. Stacy's here with us. Hi, Stacy. Hi. How you doing? Great. Do you have anything to say about that uh, acronym? Um, I have a hard time understanding it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I don't know. I'm not going to go into it. So, uh, Genesis 8 and 9. Dave, welcome back. You were in Florida. Anything to share with us from your time in Florida? Um, it was great. Good family time. Good to be together with my family for extended days and an extended week. No close encounters with uh, uh, ocean animals? <laughs> we, uh, we saw a bunch of dolphins and sea turtles off of a big jetty in the ocean, but no close encounters. Mm. All right. No... Yeah, we weren't we weren't that close to. We were up above them, but that's good. I don't like going in the ocean. Yeah, that's just me. Jellyfish and sharks and stingrays. Stingrays. That's yeah. right. It's wild. Anyway, we're here to talk about Genesis eight and nine. So, the end of the flood and the Noahic covenant. Dave, is there anything just at a thirty thousand foot level um, that you might want to just expand on or clarify, or any thoughts that you didn't? say on, on Sunday or just to summarize uh, what you said in case someone missed it? Yeah, uh, Genesis 8 and 9 is really um, the end of the flood and God bringing them out and then the Noahic covenant. And I think you're going to ask more questions about that later, so I won't go into that a ton. But I... Uh, <laughs> we don't prepare. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's right. But I, uh, the, the, the way I split it up on Sunday when I preached on it is... God's goodness in uh, his provision of his people and God's goodness in his preservation of his people. So I think that's what we see. Uh, We just see God continuing to make a way through the waters of judgment with his people, uh, a way for his people to dwell in his place and enjoy his presence uh, through covenant, uh, which is the Noahic covenant, and then also just through safely keeping his promise that he's going to bring them through this massive event, uh, yeah. and they're going to land safely, they're going to walk out on a dry ground, and they're going to start, kind of start creation all over again. Yeah. Yeah. And I, re- Segway. I really appreciated, <laughs> yeah, uh, the ways that you did tie um, the Noahic covenant back to the creation covenant in Genesis. Um, is there anything you'd expand on there, or just how they're intricately maybe related? Yeah, I think, I mean, the funny thing is that really in the the creation covenant, there's there's like this debate about is it really a covenant or not because mm-hmm. there's no sacrifice. Right. Um, and I my, my answer to that has always been you you have a you have a king, you have a people, and you have a place, which which is really how you make up a a covenant. And uh, the reason there's no sacrifice there is because there's no sin yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I, I think we I think we see the same thing that God has again. I mean, we could go all the way back to Genesis one and talk about. Uh, the waters, right? Kind of the spirits hovering over these chaotic waters. And so we get this picture again, almost of like, we're going back mm-hmm. all the way to the beginning. And uh, God is again going to, out of this chaos and out of this darkness, he's going to bring order and he's going to do it by, 
And by now, by covenant, I think because of sin, so he's going to cut a covenant, there's going to be right. sacrifice, and he's going to again have this place where his people can dwell in his presence. Um, so I think there's all sorts of connections. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of different language uh, that connects them, even just like semantically, uh, and that, that keeps connecting. You know, there's garden language right before the cross. There's garden language and... Revelation again, so I think that there's semantic clues all the way um, right. you could tie together. Yeah, that's great. Stacy, did you have a, a question about the Noahic Covenant and how it relates? Yeah, well, I when I was listening to the sermon and the part was repeated about be fruitful and multiply, increase on the earth greatly, um, and multiply in it, and that going back to the, um, I don't know what you call it, the creation covenant or I've heard it also called the cultural mandate, but mm-hmm. along with that to um, have dominion over, you know, the earth and just was kind of curious why maybe that part was not repeated here. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's assumed would be the answer that that's what people do. Yeah. The people made in God's image. And the interesting thing uh, to maybe add weight to that is that right after the account in chapters 8 and 9, uh, what's next is a genealogy, a really long genealogy that I think is showing that God's people continue to multiply, continue to spread, and continue to multiply his image and therefore his reign and his presence and all that all over the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I suppose, too, even in this story, we see Noah having dominion over the animals and things. Yep. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, he's doing yeah it's it. kind of yeah. implied. You answered your own question. Great job. Okay. <clears throat> awesome. Well done. <laughs> Did you do that on purpose? No. <laughs> I come on the podcast and ask That's a That's what happens when you have good dialogue, though. It doesn't <laughs> it? It sharpens your thinking. It does. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Um, so, hey. <laughs> Whoa. Chapter nine. Settle down there, buddy. Ch- chapter 9, verse 6. Whoever sheds the blood of a man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God it made man in his own image. Mm. Does that mandate the death penalty, Dave? Does it mandate it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're gonna ask it that way. What do you think? I, I want to hear what you think. No, you, I'm you, all about good dialogue that sharpens. <laughs> yeah. Me. I think I because man, mandate is a different question than allow for. Well, right, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that was. I mean, when we were in seminary, that was like I was in my biblical ethics class, yeah. and that yep. was like the crux of the argument. Yep. Like everyone, that's why I'm surprised by what you asked. <laughs> everyone thought, well, yeah, it it allows for it, but then the argument was, does this actually mandate it? Mm. And I don't know. I, I I don't think I would go that far. Okay, I'm just playing my cards. I think that it clearly shows that a man's life is worth another man's life, and so as image bearers, the death penalty is allowed. I don't know sure. that it's mandated because. It's done culturally so different in various times and ages and countries and all of that, all of those things. And I think that in all of those different situations, the idea is sound, but the actual carrying out of it can be more or less helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, we don't live in a perfect world. There are mistakes, there's brokenness, all of those things. So I think that there's wisdom that's required, but I wouldn't say that it's mandated in every time and place in every culture in the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the one of the things that I've tried to process as I've thought about it too is is there, you know, 
we, we like to do good biblical theology here. Mm-hmm. What, what, if anything, about this moral allowability, because I think that's right, mm-hmm. uh, what would change uh, at the cross? Sure. Where mm-hmm. the perfect man pays for the sins of all who will receive him. Mm-hmm. Does that change at all how we think about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, I've, I've thought about it a few, uh, a few times because the, the crux of verse 6 and the way you asked it, I mean, it, it says, by man shall his blood be shed. So mm-hmm. there it reads like... This is a requirement. So right. what's going to happen? That that yeah. But exactly. So so I think if we're going to say it's not allowed or it's not mandated, then I think we'd have to say wisdom, yes. But I wonder if even more fundamental than that is, man, at the cross, something shifts there where there is this uh, where justice has been served mm-hmm. in a sense in Jesus, and I still think it's allowable. But I think maybe that would change the the weight of it being mandated. In mm-hmm. some sense, just in how we view, well, actually, how we view, I mean, anthropology, not to get back to Daniel's weird recap yeah. title, but I mean, there's, <laughs> there, I think it does change some of how we, we begin to process anthropology and yep. punishment mm-hmm. and justice and things like that. That's good. And yet also, I mean, we are to be subject to the governing authorities who do have the authority mm-hmm. to wield the sword in a way that individual people at least now in our culture, have the ability to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, again, but like what you said, Nick, the government has the authority to do that. Does that mean it's perfect justice or it's always carried out perfectly? No. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yep, so a lot of wisdom is required, and I like that biblical theology angle. I hadn't really thought about that before. That's good. All right, well, let's close that little uh, topic up there. (laughs) Um. Just one other question I had, and I know a lot of people make a big deal when we talk about the rainbow, like in chapter nine, verses 16 and, or 15 and 16, mm-hmm. where it says he puts his, the bow in the clouds and the rainbow is pointed up. So a lot of people say now God's bow of wrath isn't pointed down at the world, but it's pointed up at himself. It's kind of like a broad biblical theological category. Do you make much of that? Um, is there anything you'd say about that in the rainbow? I mean, what I would say is uh, it's one of those things where it's it's certainly theologically true to a point that mm-hmm. God has said, I am going to be the one that ultimately takes and pays for sin mm-hmm. uh, myself. Um, I, I'm, I'm not... I, I, the way I think about these things is I, I just say maybe, and I like to work from here's this context, here's the broader biblical context, here's the theological concept... I don't love working the other way. Sure, yeah. Where I say, mm-hmm. here's this really broad theological concept, so I'm just going to say it here for sure. So if someone said that, I'd be like, well, that, that's certainly a true statement. I just don't know that I could point to anything in Genesis 9 mm-hmm. sure. to say that in any kind of definitive or even probable way. Right. But maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, and I think, again, it, it's probably not the point, but... It is a sign. But where is it? Pointing. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> but it's a sign that God won't yeah. um, pour out his wrath in that way anymore. Yep. Yep. So it's yep. just interesting to think about. But I, I think yep. I agree. You probably can't put too much much weight on that. But it's a good theological thought. 
Even just like that it comes out after a storm, you know, back mm-hmm. in this time or shortly after this, like mm-hmm. when the people would experience a thunderstorm, mm-hmm. it could be a really scary thing. Like maybe it's more Still scary. is. We just had them last night and I was like, is my house There was gonna- a lot of lightning last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that then it comes, you know, after that, I think is mm-hmm. just a cool way for God to show his presence mm-hmm. and keeping his promise. That's great. The other thing that, the other thing that's, uh, I just think an interesting thing to point out is that we always talk about like, look at the, look at, and I didn't bring this out in the sermon either, but look at the rainbow and remember Mm-hmm. The really interesting thing is what this text actually says is when the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember. So it's like right. God reminding himself yeah. uh, of the promise that he made, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that he's built into our reality, this thing that gives us hope and reminds him of his own promises. Yeah. It's a cool thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amen. Mm. Guys, this is great. Thank you. Thank you.